Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. Thanks for joining us today on Wall Builders. We're taking on those hot topics from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. The hot topics today are all going to be good news. All right, we're sharing good news with you on Friday, like we always do, and I always look forward to. But we appreciate you listening. Hope you visit our website today at wallbuilders.com. Lots of great tools and materials there for you. Also a great place for you to contribute. This is just a great ministry to support, folks. Wall Builders has been out there for decades, restoring the foundation, rebuilding the walls, just like we're told in Nehemiah to do, and, and given that example where we you know, we do it right wherever we're planted, and you've got work to do right there in your community, and I promise you, uh, you will find inspiration in things that you can do in your neighborhood, with your family, your church, uh, right there in your town, and in your particular state. And so check that out at wallbuilders.com today. Get some good stuff there, and then get active right there in your community. And by the way, my name is Rick Green. I'm America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. Honored to serve here at Wall Builders alongside David Barton and Tim Barton. Tim Barton's a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. David, as everyone knows, is America's premier historian. We are blessed. I'm blessed to get to work with these guys, uh, to get to just to be around the Barton family and the good good work that they've done for decades to help restore our country. It's uh, it's it's just a privilege to be a part of this. And and you know, if you've been listening for very long, the impact is deep, and it's making a difference out there in the culture. All right, I'm excited to get some good news. I need some I need some pick me ups, fellas. So I hope you got a lot of good news in your stack. Uh, to share some of the good things going on out there that most people probably never heard. First piece of good news is going to come from David Barton. Well, the good news I'm going to start with actually deals with the new speaker, Mike Johnson. And I'm just amazed uh, at how well Mike has done in a very tenuous position. He currently only has a one-vote majority in the House, and he's been able to get some really good things done working with a whole lot of people who are not very conservative. I mean, most of the New York delegation certainly is not on the conservative side, but he's been able to get some really good things done and, and really held the line in a lot of ways that, that I just, I'm amazed he's been able to pull off because he just doesn't really have the votes. So I think that's a testament to his leadership, testament to his character. Um, still hearing so many good things. People just like him. Uh, he's done very well. I've watched him on national media. He's been very articulate, spokesman, very easy to like, very he just gets along well with everybody, it seems like. So with that, one of the things I've been really pleased with that, that we hadn't seen previously is he's just not going with the package deals that the House and the Senate normally do. And so in the case of Israel, for example, he said, we're not going to tie Israel funding to Ukraine. We're not doing that. We're going to stand alone Israel. You're going to take a hard vote whether you're for Israel and want to support Israel or not. And so they've got scheduled coming up here in a few days a standalone vote, which is a bold move by the House, and that, that move to to vote to support Israel, what they're doing, uh, it, the, now already since Mike was in there, they had a vote on a $14.3 billion aid package to support Israel on the war with Hamas. And then Biden came through and wanted to tie the, the aid to Israel. But what they did with that one that Mike did is they said, well, what we're going to do is that $14.3 billion that needs to go to Israel, we're going to take it out of the IRS budget. And all, all this thing where you've been driving more Americans into this enforcement thing you're trying to do to get more money up. You're spending more money, but you're putting a squeeze on Americans to give more money. And so he said, we're going to take $14.3 billion out of the IRS to fund Israel. Well, of course, Democrats didn't go along with that. So now they've got a package for $17.6 billion, and it's, it's coming as a standalone vote, and it is not tied to Ukraine. And that's the other thing. Conservatives supported Ukraine because they didn't like Russia, but the more money that was given to Ukraine didn't know what it was being spent for, and it turns out it's coming back to Democrat coffers. They didn't like that either. They want Israel to stand alone without being tied to Ukraine. Well, this is something, too, that uh, when you look at the the Biden 
uh, well, I, I guess really it's it's the Senate, <laughs> the Southern Border Bill, but really it's the Biden-backed Senate bill. That was one of the major issues we saw with that Senate bill this week was how much of the funding, as we're talking about the Southern Border and the immigration issues and securing the border, there was still so much money tied to the funding for Ukraine, even in securing the Southern Border. And this has become the consistent theme of what's happening in Washington, D.C., which I think one of the things that ties in very similarly and closely with that is it's almost like whatever name uh, they put on the bill, you can know it's something other than what that is. And Dad, to your point, Mike Johnson has been one of the the leaders and, and certainly not the only one. There's been many Republicans advocating for this, but he's now in a position that he can be the leader saying, well, let's actually, let's have a bill covering what the, the topic and title is. So if it's support for Israel, let's have a bill that actually just deals with supporting Israel, not all these other pet projects along the way. And so that is really, really encouraging that you have a leader who is trying to be much more honest in representing what the bill actually is, not misleading the American people, not deceiving the American people about what the bill is, and not taking American tax dollars and giving it to people all over the world with no accountability. And within that leadership that Mike's got, I mean, Tim, just your pointing out what he's doing is so good. One of the other things he's doing is he's really making the, the U.S. Senate go on defense because he's pointing out that, look, we all know that for a measure to pass, it has to go through the Senate and the House. And if you Democrats are really serious about getting this stuff done, you want this this border bill and you want to help Israel, you say this, this is what he pointed out. He, he said, you guys say that. He says the Senate appears poised to finally release the text of their supplemental package after months of behind closed doors negotiations. Their leadership is aware that by failing to include the House in their negotiations, they have eliminated the ability for swift consideration of any legislation. He said, you guys in the Senate keep saying you want this to pass, but you have never talked to us in the House. You have never met with us to see what we'll accept or what we won't accept. You're just coming out with what you want, then you're going to throw it at us and try to blame it on us. And I love the fact that he's saying, look, here's how the process works, and you guys know that. You're playing pure politics with this. If you really want to help Israel and other things, you know how to do it. And so to that end, Tim, as you were even mentioned the stuff on the border, I mean, Mike texted and, and bless his heart. It was so good. He said, that bill is dead on arrival over here. You guys never talked to us. You never had any input from us. You didn't want any input from us. If you, And, and uh, here's again, where he's able to keep a majority together with only a one vote majority. They're still not talking to the House. So Mike's leadership and what they're doing is really good. I hope that vote for Israel goes really well next week. And by the way, just just so the people know what's happening with, with that vote. What it is, is it, it would repay the U.S. in so many ways for the, the military equipment we've been giving to Israel. We've, we've already seen Biden has given so much away to Ukraine and everywhere else. Our own reserves are really low. Part of that money would say, hey, the stuff we've given to Israel, we need to repay the U.S. military. Let's get that back in our military arsenals. And on top of that, we want to give it for military use in Israel. All the missiles they've had to do, the anti-missile stuff, the Iron Dome, we want to actually go into to the war. And so he's been really clear what this money is going for. And Tim, as you said, I mean, they're actually appropriating this for what it should be rather than having other things hidden in it, which is the way the House usually operates. It's a real good change. And, and you guys remember when, you know, he first got, uh, you know, chosen speaker and and we talked about, you know, our, uh, knowing him and seeing him in action and, and being a man of character and somebody that, that had the right demeanor for all of this. And we also said, remember, we warned everybody 
This is a very narrow margin of majority. He has an impossible task ahead of him. Uh, and so let's give him some room to maneuver and get the best that he can out of these kind of situations. And there's been you know, several times where our base and the people that we love have been very critical of him. Uh, I have to admit, I, I got a little bit upset with some of the budget stuff. Um, but there's no doubt, man, for such a time as this, we needed him in that seat right now. And, uh, you know, Lord willing, we'll get a significant majority for him to be able to do a lot more after this next election. Well, Eric, one thing I would I would add to that uh, for people to understand when we're looking, because you mentioned the budget deal and how it's frustrating. All of us on this program were frustrated with some of what's going on. And he was probably far more frustrated than all of us, right? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, people forget he, he was part of the Freedom Caucus. He was mentored by Jim Jordan. He's not a sellout. He is someone who is strategic and recognizes that in order to have any progress at all, you have to keep the group together. And in order to keep the group together, you cannot always go as hard or as strong in the direction that you would want to, because if you're leading a team, you have to keep the entire team in mind. Now, you can push them, you can motivate them, you can challenge them to go more, to do more, to accomplish more, but it's a far different task than him just saying, here's what I want to do and we're going to do it. He has one vote margin in, and actually, I mean, we could talk about how there's been some Republican sellouts with some different votes. And so at times he, he doesn't even have the one vote margin. There are squishy Republicans who are not supporting conservative issues, but that's what he's having to navigate. And so as we see these issues with him, and sometimes it, it's frustrating from the outside going, why isn't Mike being the kind of leader he should be? He's probably being the exact kind of leader we need him to be to keep the Republican delegation majority together. And, and as Rick, originally, he's probably more frustrated than we are with how things are working out. But I have absolute, uh, not just confidence, but gratitude to the Lord for putting him in that position, Rick, as you mentioned, for such time as this. Amen. No doubt about it. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. we got a lot more good news to get to. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to The Wall Builder Show. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Welcome back to the Wobble Show. Thanks for staying with us. It's Good News Friday. Uh, Tim, you know, since David had that whole first half of the show for his, I think you should get the second half for however many good news stories you want, right? Well, well at least give us one good one. Here we go. I'm going to start in California, and this is going to be a a good enough one we could celebrate for the rest of the show, but uh, we probably will squeeze more in. This title of the article says, California's Ammo Background Check Law 
permanently struck down by judge. Now, what this means, in California, they actually passed a law that if you were going to buy ammunition, you had to undergo a background check just like you would if you bought a firearm. For those of us who are living in the other free states inside of the United States, this is a almost mind-boggling concept to imagine that for me to buy some ammunition, I have to undergo a background check. Well, that's, that is a law that was passed in California. Fortunately, there was a federal judge who issued a permanent injunction blocking the enforcement of the state law mandating background checks for every, every ammunition purchase. And that was U.S. District Judge Roger Benitez. Uh, he was a George W. Bush appointee. And the article goes through breaking down some of the details of uh, of what the law was, of, of how it was applied, of the case that came before the court and how it was challenged. But it, it, the bottom line is it's really good news for Second Amendment in California. And we've seen a couple of Second Amendment vi victories coming out of California and partly because they've been so outrageous and extreme, they have very clearly overstepped this basic notion of what we understand the Second Amendment to be, of our constitutional right to right of self-defense. And, and I think we'll continue to see some of these onerous gun laws struck down in California. But this one is really encouraging. And, and, and guys, as I was reading it, I, I thought about at times I will be on a website. Now, whether it is a, a Palmetto State Armory, a, a Midway USA, you know, different websites that I will go to to, to uh, purchase and acquire different things, maybe needed for different tools that I have in my arsenal, right? And it's always interesting that there's these little caveats at the bottom that will talk about uh, that certain things can be sold in California or there's exceptions of California. And when I just read this article, it actually highlights it was illegal, illegal for people in California to purchase ammunition from another state. I I literally cannot even wrap my mind around that as someone living in Texas who's enjoyed freedom for pretty much my entire life. And this is mind-boggling to me. So it makes it even better news that a federal judge struck this down, recognizing this state law was clearly unconstitutional. That is really good news. And, and guys, I think we talked about this a couple of years ago when we were seeing a, a crackdown on ammunition. I think early in the Biden administration, there were some ammo shortages. Uh, the federal government was buying up ammo. We saw this a little bit under Obama as well. And one of the the things that we heard from Democrat strategists is the Second Amendment very clearly protects the right of individuals to own firearms for their defense, to keep firearms with them for their self-preservation, defense of their life, their family, et cetera. But one of the things that Democrats talked about is that the Second Amendment likely did not apply to ammunition. And so they could regulate and tax ammunition so significantly, it would make it virtually impossible for people to get ammunition for their guns. And this was the move that California was making. So it's really great that this was struck down, permanent injunction by this judge. I would imagine that probably there's going to be some state attorney, district attorney, somebody who's going to challenge this, who's going to try to appeal this for California. But at this point, this is really good news for the Second Amendment coming out of California. Yeah. And like you said, Tim, I mean, you can hear it in your voice, too. It's like it, it is literally shocking when you think about the things that they come up with out there. And it, and it explains why so many people are fleeing. Right. They, they know in their gut this stuff is not pro-freedom. This is not 
you know, it's constantly taking decisions away from the individual to do things that are, are literally natural rights, like defending yourself and, and the right of self-defense. And it's just, you, I can't get inside their heads, right? I can't understand why they think like they do and why they want so bad to prevent you from being able to defend yourself. But Rick, l- let me jump in there. I, I want to help you on this because we okay. really want to help our friends on the left. We know that they pass these gun laws because they're concerned about saving innocent lives. They know that guns kill people and they don't want people killed. And that's why they want to control guns and ammunition. And w- we know from FBI statistics that a really high cause of death is from blunt instruments. It's, it's from baseball bats. It's from knees and it's from fists and it's from hammers, et cetera. And so, you know, interested in saving lives, I think they should pass a law for a background check on everyone who buys a baseball. Because if you buy <laughs> a baseball, that means you have a baseball bat. And if you have a baseball bat, that is a lethal weapon in FBI stats. I mean, look at all the deaths from baseball bats. And, and in the same way, I mean, not only baseball bats, I think that anyone who buys a nail should have a background check. Because if, if you have a nail, you certainly have a hammer. You wouldn't buy a nail if you didn't have a hammer. And if you got a hammer, that's a lethal weapon. And, and I think we could stop so much death in America if we would have background checks on baseballs and nails. And all right. I think I'm glad you're not a legislator. That's what I think. I, I, I think I'm glad. I mean, even in California, you, you, you would be out there, out there, way out there. No, I get what you're saying, man. And, and, and I think, too, you're right. I think I think most liberals that are for this kind of stuff, it really is a well, it's from a well-meaning position. They genuinely think that the gun is the problem and that if they take away the bat or they take away the gun or they take away the weapon, that somehow it's going to stop the sin. It's going to stop the heart of man and stop people from doing bad things. And, and, and I guess, guys, that really is a worldview thing, right? That's why we talk so much about worldview. It, it's, it's just a, it's a different way of seeing the world, and it's certainly a non-Christian worldview because they think that man is good on their own and it's the gun that's corrupting them, whereas we know man is bad on their own. Uh, and the gun is just a, a vehicle. It's why we need a Savior, and we need a Lord, and uh, and we need religion. Because, as George Washington said, religion and morality are absolutely necess- necessary if we're going to have freedom. So, anyway, it's a great topic. And, Tim, I share your uh, shock, and I'm glad to know that your dad is not a legislator and passing um, an outlawing of nails and hammers. But I cre- I pre- and, and back over to the guy with the nails and the hammers, who's used them probably more than you and I both, Tim. David, what's your, ne- your next piece of good news? Next one is actually how that, um, I, and I, I guess this is a backhanded admission that, that people are starting to figure out that their ideas don't always align with what happens in real life. But we have the mayors from so many sanctuary cities now going to Biden and saying, you got to help us with all the money that, that, that this, as sanctuary cities, we're taking immigrants and we can't handle it. You need to pay for this for us. So number one, you're admitting that your ideas don't work well and that they cost a whole lot of money and that you can't sustain them on your own. And so they're asking Biden to help with, with, with all the problems they've got. And, it, you know, just on the stats, Denver is spending right now almost $2 a week on shelter for illegal immigrants. Um, when you go to New York City, it's, it's about $1.7 billion they spend on illegal immigrants in New York City. Chicago has $320 million. So uh, all this stuff that Biden is doing and li- keeping the borders open, now you're getting the most blue Democrats in the bluest cities in the nation saying, Hey, this is not a good deal. We need help on this. And it's interesting. So they they have their own plans and their plans are just about as as logical as my suggestion of having background checks on those who buy baseballs and nails. Here's what they want Biden to do. They want Biden to take every city that is not a sanctuary city and make it into a sanctuary city and make them pay for all the immigration stuff. 
So if you're not a sanctuary city, and if you believe in upholding the laws on the border, we want you to pay us sanctuary cities for all the money it's costing us for the people coming across the border. Now, you know, explain that one to me. That's about as logical as that California law on, on doing a background check on bullets. So this is where they are. And it's significant that they're starting to see some real consequences as well. Um, there were 172 people last year alone that are known to have come through who were on the terrorism watch list. And we know that nine out of 10, they don't identify. So out of the 10% they do identify, you're looking at about 172. And back when the borders were closed under Trump, you were looking at about 18 people a year that would come through that would be found on the terrorism watch list. And that's when they were really stopping nearly everybody. So they're looking at these numbers. They're not liking the numbers. And I, I don't know what the good news out of this is, except that they're coming to realize that their own philosophies and, and their own practices are not working out the way they thought they should. And they're wanting to see everybody else come feel their pain. And they might just think about changing their ideas and philosophies to help stop some of the pain they're feeling. But the good news is they understand their stuff is not working. All right, back over to Tim. We got time for at least one more good news. Tim, what you got? This was a report that came out of Congress uh, and actually dealing with uh, Pat Fallon, a, a, a Texas congressman. And he is acknowledging, uh, he, he actually uh, is on a subcommittee on economic growth, energy policy, and regulatory affairs. He's a chairman of that subcommittee. And they got into the the necessity of nuclear power and America's nuclear power capacity. Uh, and so they had a, a report coming out and he identified that nuclear power plants generate 20% of our nation's electricity. They're the most reliable source of power uh, generation. It's also extremely clean form of energy production, producing zero carbon emissions. It's responsible for more than 70% of the U.S. non-greenhouse gas emitting power generation. Uh, one, one single nuclear reactor can produce as much power as over three million solar panels or 431 wind turbines and and on and on this this uh, press release goes detailing the, the information on the nuclear power plants but the reason this is to me so encouraging is when you are looking at things for example like the solar panels or these wind turbines we are seeing wind turbines and solar panels go up all over the united states why are they going up well because the government is giving subsidies for those to go up, meaning the government is paying companies to put these up all over the U.S. So the the idea that there are businesses making money doing this, well, they're not making money because they have a product that's really successful. They're making money because the federal government is taking our tax dollars and giving it to them. Well, windmills were the really big thing for the last couple of years, but now it's moving into solar panels. Well, there's some irony behind it. Where do we get the majority of solar panels or the materials used in creating solar panels? China. So we are funding nations that are not friendly to America, nations that, and I'm trying to be one example, but nations largely that there should be sanctions against those nations, that nations that are not environmentally friendly, that the way China is creating new coal plants all the time, every week, every two weeks, every month, they're producing new coal plants and, and they don't have the same kind of standards for clean energy that we even have for coal plants here in America, for power plants here in America. So there's so much pollution as they are creating these solar panels that we are buying, the government subsidizing to put up. None of it makes sense, which is why to me, this article was so encouraging that at least somebody in Congress is paying attention, 
at least somebody is following this notion. It, it, it always boggled my mind when people talk about we need clean energy. What is the most reliable form of clean energy? Well, that would be a nuclear power capacity or a nuclear power plant, right? A nuclear reactor. Nuclear is the cleanest, most reliable because we know that solar is not going to be reliable for much of the year. If you if you live in Alaska, right, for five or six months of the year, you will get no benefit from your solar panels. Well, similarly, we, we know there's places where windmills will not be effective at all. And, and, and I'm not knocking the fact that if, if there's individuals listening and they like solar panel, I support the free market. If you want to put some solar panels up on your roof, man, God bless you, you do that. But the federal government is being dishonest. Our leaders are being dishonest in how they're taking tax dollars and spending our money, arguing they're doing it for clean energy. No, if we really cared about what was clean and what was the most reliable, what was the best, that would be nuclear. And so the fact that we have congressmen, we have a committee that is now proposing, supporting, and endorsing this is really encouraging that we're at least having some people being honest about this issue. All right, folks, that was lots of good news for you to be able to take back to your friends and family and tell them about some of these stories and some of these things that are happening in the culture, and hopefully enough to to give you a little pick-me-up going into the weekend, recognizing that all is not lost. The principles of liberty don't change. Uh, the laws of nature, nature's God don't change. We just need to line up with them and not go against them. And when we do line up with them, we get good stories. We get good news. And you can make that happen in your community as well. Hope you're looking for ways to make a difference, looking for ways to plug in and participate in what's going on. Uh, we've got lots of ways for you to do that at wallbuilders.com. Encourage you to check out some of the materials there. Lots of stuff for the kids as well. And it's just a great time to to have really an alternative education for us at all of all ages, not just the kids that we typically think of as being in school. We should all continue to learn and and look for ways to to dive deep and find truth. And so if you'd like some of that truth, check it out today at wallbuilders.com. Consider making a contribution there, coming alongside us and investing in freedom and being a part of the solution. And one other thing, uh, make sure that you check out uh, at wallbuilders.com the pastor's briefings, the, the opportunity for your pastor to join us in Washington, D.C. and get a chance to go through the Capitol, do the Spiritual Heritage Tour, get to hear from a lot of congressmen that are on the front lines and doing some good work, and uh, get the chance to just sharpen iron with some other folks from across the country, some other pastors and their spouses, and it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. So we do at least two of those a year. The dates are on the website. Check it out at wallbuilders.com. Sure appreciate you listening. You've been listening to The Wall Builder Show.